Evernorth Health Services, we believe costs shouldn't get in the way of life-changing care. And we're doing everything in our power to make it possible. Behavioral health solutions that also keep your projections at their best? It's possible. Pharmacy benefits that benefit your bottom line? It's possible. Complex specialty care that cares about your ROI? It's possible. Because we're already doing it. All while saving businesses billions. That's wonder made possible. Learn more at evernorth.com wonder. With supply chains becoming more complex, you need to stay on top of the latest logistics developments. So if you work with logistics, you need the Beyond the Box podcast from Maersk. It's the easy way to keep up to date with everything from digital disruption and logistics to the need for supply chain resilience in today's market. Find out more and keep ahead of the game with the Beyond the Box podcast on logistics insights at maersk.com insights. Want to make a podcast? Spotify's got a platform that lets you make one super easily, then distribute it everywhere and even earn money. All in one place for free. It's called Spotify for Podcasters, and here's how it works. Spotify for Podcasters lets you record and edit podcasts right from your phone or your computer. So no matter what your setup is like, you can start creating a podcast today. Then you can distribute your podcast to Spotify and everywhere else podcasts are heard. Video podcasts are also available on Spotify, and when you want to take conversations with your fans to the next level, Q&A and polls are the best way to get them talking. With Spotify for Podcasters, you can earn money in a variety of ways, including ads and podcast subscriptions. And best of all, it's totally free with no catch. Ever since I discovered Spotify for Podcasters, I love engaging with my audience with the Q&A and the polls. And I also love the fact that I can upload my video podcast on Spotify because I know my audience love watching it sometimes when they're traveling on their commute. I highly recommend you give it a try and you can download the Spotify for Podcasters app or go to www.spotify.com forward slash podcasters to get started. I'm 30 years old, I'm a single mother and I was widowed about a year and a half ago. So I lost my husband May 2021. Every single morning he would wake up and he would do press-ups, pull-ups, sit-ups. So he was very fit, very healthy. So one morning when he didn't wake up, it came as a huge shock. When I found Shyam, I knew when I found him. What I was thinking is, can we get him back? I already knew he was gone. It was about, can we get him back? The fact that it was so sudden, the fact that Sean was so young, did you ever have those moments where you were like, why has this happened? I never felt, why me? But I do remember thinking, why him? He had such a wonderful life ahead of him. He was so excited for the baby to arrive. Everything was going well for him. And I was just like, why did you take that away from him? I was spiraling. I was getting lost and lost and lost and I was getting more and more enclosed. And my parents and my family could see, they could just see through it all immediately. I think a lot of people didn't really know what to say to me. They found me a couple of times crying in my sleep. It's Shyam's child. There's so much hope, so much love for this child already. I started crying when I saw him. But when you cry, your stomach shakes and they're sewing me up. They've just cut me open and taken a child out of me and they're sewing me up and I could feel my stomach moving. And I was like, oh, those. I was just like, just focus. Every second counts, just focus, Delari, like, focus. Delari, welcome to Millennial Mind. Thank you. Very excited to have you here, even though I have worn a lot of uh, waterproof makeup because I think I'm going to get a bit emotional today. Yeah, I've done the same. I'm very, very nervous. I've not done a podcast before, so 
Well, be gentle with me. (laughs) (laughs) No, there's no need to be nervous. I think it is a little bit daunting, obviously, especially given what's happened to kind of open up about that and to share so personally. And I think if you've never done like a podcast before and you've seen mine, obviously go very deep. But you know, this this is a safe space and whatever you feel comfortable sharing, you feel comfortable sharing. And if you don't, at any point we can stop. So we'll start with the beginning. Okay. So for people who don't know you, could you give a little bit of an introduction? Yes, so um, my name's Delari. Um, I'm 30 years old. I'm a single mother um, and I was widowed about a year and a half ago. So I lost my husband uh, May, 2021. And that was two months um, before I gave birth to my son, so before, before I came a mother for the first time. My gosh. Yeah. So it was a very, very, very difficult time in my life. But I've, I feel like I've come a long way since then. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think I'm growing a bit more every day. So. so tell me about what happened in terms of Sham, your husband. He was very healthy, right? What did he do? Uh, we're both optometrists. Oh, wow, okay. So yeah, we met at university. Um, we were in the same year and everything. So we studied together. Uh, we started dating at uni. We worked together. Wow. Um, he was really sporty. He's always been very sporty. Uh, played football, badminton, tennis, golf. You name it, he, he played it. Okay. Um, every single morning, I used to take videos of this, every single morning he would wake up and he would do press-ups, pull-ups, sit-ups. Everything, and I would just be like, oh, let me just, just enjoy this. <laughs> so he was very fit, very healthy. So one morning when he didn't wake up, it came as a huge shock, a huge surprise. It was not anticipated, it was it was unexpected. The night before you went to sleep, was he in any pain or anything? No, no, he wasn't. Um, he was n- nothing unusual, nothing that I've not seen before. And in the morning, did how did you know something was wrong? Um, so I was letting him have a lion in the morning. Was it a um, weekend? It was a weekend. Um, but he's quite a light sleeper. So when I walked past to use the bathroom, I would expect him to have woken up and be like, oh, I'm sorry, I woke up late or say something. Mm-hmm. But he didn't say anything. So I turned around to to check on him. And, and that's when I when I found him. So then that's when everything started. The Anyone who's been in a situation like this will know there's a whole theater that happens behind all of this with calling paramedics, CPR, everything. Then obviously I was dealing with the police and trying to get hold of his family. Um, yeah. And you were seven months pregnant? I was seven months pregnant, yeah. And did you have an easy pregnancy? Um, Looking from the outside in, yeah, probably mm-hmm. it looked like it, but I did I did struggle a lot in the first trimester. Um, I had a lot of nausea and I struggled a lot mentally. I feel like I was like just going into depression within the first trimester of pregnancy, which is actually quite common. Wow, I've never heard that before. Yeah, so I did struggle a lot and you can't tell anyone you're pregnant because it's that phase where you're, anything can happen. It's, of course. So I ended up telling work a little bit early because I was showing. Um, and they were lovely, they were really supportive. Um, second trimester was very, very different. It was really, really nice. Okay. I felt really good about myself. I was really happy in myself. I had a lot of energy. Um, Shyam and I were planning so many things. Um, we were having things done in the house, getting ready for the baby. Mm. Um, and then third trimester, obviously, 
just, I think I was a bit numb to be honest. I find it difficult to remember a lot of it. I think I felt quite numb. I was gonna say, I think a lot of the time when you're faced with such a shock in terms of something that happens, you almost black out, don't you? Yeah. And you don't remember all the little details, but do you remember in that moment of like dealing with the grief? Because I think a lot of the time when I've heard from other people, you don't process it in that moment. For some people, they don't. Um, I'm quite, I've always been quite a logical person. Like I'm quite straight down the line, quite pragmatic. Mm-hmm. Um, when I found Chiam, I knew when I found him. What I was thinking is, is, is can we get him back? I already okay. knew he was gone. It was about, can we get him back? So I think the first stage I actually had in my grief was acceptance. Mm-hmm. Like I fully, I fully knew what was going on. And I was just, I was just like, just focus. Like this is every second counts, just focus, Delari, like focus. So that's all I was doing. When the doctor sat me down and told me, they were like, oh, can, can I get you anything? Can I make you a cup of tea? Like it's gonna be a long day now. And the doctor came home. So yeah, so the paramedics were there, then the doctor comes because paramedics can't obviously pronounce. Okay. So then the doctor came, then the doctor wanted to speak to me. My neighbors were with me at the time because my neighbors were really, really close friends of mine and Shams. And right. um, also um, he was a GP and his wife was helping as well. So they were helping me. It was literally us three together trying to get him back. And so, so you were doing CPR? They didn't let me actually, okay. because I was seven months pregnant. They were doing it themselves. So they took that on themselves. And yeah, I could never, I could never forget that. They will always be family to me. Yeah. Sorry. So <clears throat> grief in waves, right? And, and we, we spoke about this as well. In that moment, what's what happened? You're seven months pregnant. Yeah. Your hormones are probably everywhere. All over the place. Your emotions are probably everywhere. Not only are you dealing with your emotions though, you're probably dealing with everyone else's. Talk, talk me through that. Um, every single person is different. Everyone processes situations differently. Everyone processes grief differently. Everyone deals with trauma differently Mm -hmm. um so i'm quite calm i was probably the most calm person in the room initially okay i feel like if you're calm you understand things more i agree paramedics are saying something to you police are saying something to you doctors you you can process what they're saying you can Mm -hmm. understand what they're saying i felt an obligation to take on a responsibility because i knew that i was calm okay so i'm like right you're calm, focus, and mm-hmm. and get through the day. Listen to what they're saying, listen to what needs to be done. Um, yeah, so I think <laughs> now, when I look back on it, mm-hmm. sometimes I'm a bit resentful because I feel like that was a, the most traumatic day of my life. Mm. And maybe, maybe I shouldn't have been so strong. Maybe I should have folded a little bit so that I could be comforted. But 
it's just not me everyone's personalities are different everyone processes things different so yeah you can feel upset you can feel resentful but then why are you expecting people to do things a certain way when everyone's different it's interesting you say that because i think a lot of people I, I know what you're saying in the sense that you guys should have thought about me because i was going through something traumatic but i didn't need your i didn't need it but i wish it was like a little bit more thought of because i feel that in some situations like i don't actually care about this but i wish that you thought about that because what if i did care yeah i i, I think that all the time but then mm. i i ask myself why are you thinking that why yes. are you trying to say how other people should, should behave be, yeah. it's not fair mm -hmm. people people deal with trauma in different ways people might be dealing with certain trauma on the day that you're dealing with and it might be bringing up other trauma that they've had in their past mm -hmm. and they might not cope mm. so like yeah it's i did feel like that but part of me is like is it fair maybe not maybe it is <laughs> were you and sean living alone yeah we had our home our first home beautiful first home in leicester oh mm. i still i'm still in love with it <laughs> and do you still live there now no, I, so, I called my parents on the day. Mm -hmm. um, they arrived very quickly. It was a long drive, but okay. but they arrived with my brother, Ritesh. Um, and they never left, actually. Eventually, the rest of everybody came up. They all moved into my house. So In my parents, yeah, my parents, my two brothers, my two puppies, and their babies, who were wow. like less than six months old. Oh my gosh. Um, they just relocated and they started living with me. Um, and they just told their work that they have to work from home. This is the situation. Mm -hmm. um, and I had a lot of support. And I never wanted to leave my home. And I made it very clear. And they were really supportive of that. Um, but what happened was, which they could see more clearly than what I could see, is that I was not healing there. Mm. It wasn't helping me. I was getting worse. Yeah. And they were like, you need a change of scenery. It took a lot of convincing. It started off by them saying, let's go home for the weekend. And how long was this in? What what, what time period was this up? I think this was like September-ish time is when I moved back home. Okay. So she had passed away in May. Oh, wow. So you had... Ram was born yeah. in July. Okay. And then early late August, early September, um, went back home. So let's go back to, obviously we're seven months pregnant. Mm -hmm. We talked about this previously as well, is everyone I think that goes through anything, losing anyone, when they're suffering from grief, you have to also go through all of these Indian traditions and in Indian culture you have 13 days of prayers, of mourning. For some people that's really lovely and they love that support and they love people coming to their house and they love having people over. And for other people it doesn't work. How did you feel during that period? No, if I if I remember properly, I do I do remember feeling like I don't want to go over this evening. I don't want to do it. And it wasn't at your house. We did it at Sham's parents' house. Okay, um, which actually was was better for me and easier for me because it, it did take a lot of organisation yeah. and things like that. So I was grateful for that. And there was there was no pressure for me to be there. That they did they did say often. Mm -hmm. Well, my parents really facilitated that. that Delari yeah. might not want to come. She might join the Zoom from home. Of course. Um, and, and they were fine with that as well. Mm -hmm. um, but I never did. I just, mm. I, I felt like it. And then yeah. when it comes to it, I'm like, Delari, just, just go. Just yeah. do it. Just do what you're meant to be doing. Just go and do it. And I just did. I did it every time. 
and there were quite a lot of people on that Zoom. Yeah. It was quite, quite a lot. And um, I was just there. I just, I can just see it now. Just, I'm sitting there on that chair, pregnant belly, picture of Xiaom. And everyone's just watching. <laughs> Sorry, I'm, I'm trying to get out of you, like, um, in terms of, like, how you dealt with it and your emotions. It did feel overwhelming. But I, th I was quite strong. I do vividly remember there was one day, so I was going over to Sham's parents' house every every day. Mm -hmm. And there was one day where I just couldn't hold it together. So, because there was a lot of people coming yeah. in and out of this house, yeah. like to support, show their support and try and do what they can. And I really vividly remember that's when the neighbors came over because we're friends with all the neighbors and the neighbors' kids were all kind of similar age. And the girls had come over and I felt, I think a lot of people didn't really know what to say to me. So I can't fault it, mm -hmm. but I was having a difficult day and no one was really saying anything to me, but they could probably see the look on my face that I was not up for anything. Yeah. And that one day the tears just wouldn't stop rolling. I was just sitting on the sofa, just, it was just, it just wouldn't stop. And I, I could just tell that they, they couldn't bear to see me that way. Because they're my friends as well. Of course. And the other days weren't like that. The other days I was somber, but I was put together mm -hmm. and I was okay. And I was able to speak to people and I was able to say thank you for coming and, mm -hmm. and all those kinds of things. But that one day I just couldn't. And my dad just said, shall we go home? And mm -hmm. I said, yeah, I can't do it today. Let's go mm -hmm. home. And it wasn't for the prayers or anything like that. It was in the middle of the day. Okay. I would go. Um, because we would go there for food. They would say, come, let's yeah. eat together. Yeah, Food was always organized there. I think mm -hmm. it was just, it was like mm -hmm. logistically organized yeah. or whatever. And my my mom and dad were like, come on, let's let's go home today. I think we need mm -hmm. to go home. And stuff, at, at the time, I remember feeling really annoyed because I'm just like, this isn't me. Like, mm. I'm not the person that gets upset and that cries. I. Yeah, I get upset, everyone gets upset, but I do it all behind closed doors. I'm that type of person. I'm a okay. vibrant, loud, bubbly person. Mm -hmm. And I like it, I yeah. like it that way. So when I was in this situation, it used to make me angry that I couldn't control my emotions mm -hmm. um, because it didn't happen that often. So when it did happen, I was really mad at myself. Like, why did you let that happen? Why didn't you control that today? But I was in the thick of it, this was like, three, four, five, six days in, I was struggling. From an outside perspective, I think like, wow, you're so harsh on yourself, even in that moment of being like, why did I feel like that today? Yeah. Did you ever have those like moments? Cause I know a lot of people when they go through grief, the first thing people think is why me? And I think in your situation, the fact that it was so sudden, the fact that Sean was so young, did you ever have those moments where you were like, I never felt why me, or not that I can remember, but I do remember thinking, why him? Like he had such a wonderful life ahead of him. He was so excited for the baby to arrive. We were looking to get into business. Like we were on the last footings of it really. Um, everything was going well for him. And I was just like, why, why did you take that away from him? Like he's gonna miss out on so much. And he was excited, so excited. Mm -hmm. I remember feeling that a lot. I remember I used to write my feelings down a lot. Okay. And I, I would write to Xiam and I'd tell him what was happening. Like this is happening now and that's happening now. Mm -hmm. And I wish you could see it because I'm sorry you're missing out and, and things like that. Mm -hmm. But 
and I've, I was, you know, I was reading it last night. I was having a bit of a cry last night, I have to admit. I was reading through all these things I wrote down. They're on my phone. Mm-hmm. And it just took me back to those emotions. And mm. I, I just really, really, really missed him last night because I've not written to him for a long time. Mm-hmm. I think I, I don't have long conversations with him like that anymore. I have very, very short ones. I've got this little picture of him in my room and it's bad really because it's normally when I'm feeling down that I talk to him more I should talk to him when it's I'm happy bad. <laughs> mm-hmm. I don't know I'm saying talk to him like they can't hear me but mm-hmm. it's more for me really do you believe in God I do did you ever doubt that belief in God when this happened I want to say no but a lot of this is a blur and there's something in me that tells me I don't think I doubted my belief I think I had a lot of anger I think mm-hmm. I was angry with God. Mm-hmm. I don't think I ever stopped believing. Mm-hmm. But I felt like, like when you're angry, I just felt like, why should I do these things? Because yeah. you, what did you do for me? But mm-hmm. it's, I, co- I completely disagree with those thoughts now. Like, why? Because I have always believed in God. I've always had a lot of faith. And if I'm completely honest, like what I believe is, when you're born, it's already written. The day you're gonna go is already written. Really? That's what I believe. Mm-hmm. So this was Sham's day, it was written. So whatever I say, oh, if I did this, if I did that, if so-and-so did this, if so-and-so did this, then it wouldn't have happened, but it was written. Mm-hmm. So why blame? Yeah. Why get angry? I think when people go through grief and they have a strong belief in God, I believe in God as well. But I've witnessed so many times being so angry and being so like, I've, I've been through it myself where I've been like, why did you take that person mm. away from me? And mm. like, why has this happened? And like, why should I believe in you? And why should I ever get close to anyone else? That's actually always been my fear. Mm. When I lost my grandma, I remember afterwards being like, I don't wanna be close to anyone. I don't wanna have to feel that vulnerable, that loss, that emptiness. And that pain again, because it is such a shock when you when you lose someone. and. I think so many people question their belief in God, but I remember reading The Art of Happiness by Dalai Lama. Okay. And this woman in the book says to him, like, will you bring back my son? And he says, I will, if you find me one household where they haven't lost someone before. Mm. And she was like, okay. So she went on this quest to find someone, find this household, and every house she went to, someone had experienced grief. Mm. Someone had experienced loss. And it's true because we all experience grief and we yeah. all experience loss, but when it happens to us, we feel like we are the only ones. Yeah, why did it happen to me? I think I probably felt like that initially, like very, mm-hmm. very, I, I felt more for Sham. Yeah. I remember saying this and I remember think, I remember thinking this very, very early on that if this had to happen, I'm glad it's not the other way around and him having to cope and him having to deal with all of this. Mm-hmm. Because we were very different people. Mm-hmm. Very, very different. His strengths were my weaknesses and my okay. strengths were his weaknesses. We made a good team. Um, and I'm the stronger, harder person and he's the more gentle and soft person. Okay. And I just thought that if the roles were reversed and if he was in this situation, I just think, how would he cope? I just, mm-hmm. I'm so glad that he didn't have to go through this pain. Mm-hmm. I'm just so glad that he didn't go through it. And being so strong, did anyone ever criticize you for that? Because I think 
I'm a very emotional person and my family are very emotional. And generally when we have seen situations where someone has lost someone and the other person is strong, it can often come across that they don't care as much. I'm not saying people said that about you, but this is some of the things that I've heard is like, but they were fine. And I'm always like, well, how do you know someone is fine just because they're not highly, highly emotional? I think no one said anything directly to me, but I think there have been mannerisms and behaviors that have not been super kind. I think people could have at times been a bit more kind Mm -hmm. and thought that, okay, she's not weeping in the corner, but she's going through something. Like she still needs a lot of love Mm -hmm. and a lot of kindness. Mm -hmm. Sometimes I think that was forgotten. Um, Maybe because people thought she's coping. Yeah, and so she's fine now. Yeah, but I wasn't, I was, I was like, I was, I was spiraling. I was getting lost and lost and lost and I was getting more and more enclosed. And my parents and my family could see, they could just see through it all immediately. Mm-hmm. Cause they know you. Yeah, they know me. Um, it's hard. I think when people are closed off from their feelings, often it's left to interpretation. I'm very open with my feelings, but there are some things that I will just be like, I'm fine about it. But I think I'm not a good liar. So people mm. know like, well, yeah. you're not fine about it, are you? And I'll be like, okay, fine. But there are certain people who I know that are closed about their feelings. And if I question them about it even more, then they become even more, more closed. closed. Yeah, I, I wouldn't say I'm one of those people because okay. I, I'm i very, like I said, I'm very outspoken and mm-hmm. I'm, I'm quite an honest person. So I have like with said people, I have been completely honest. Um, about how I'm feeling. But some people, I don't know if they feel maybe it's not genuine because I could have a conversation with you right now and tell you how I'm feeling, but I will speak like this, mm-hmm. that I'm struggling a lot. Yes. I'm losing myself in my thoughts. I'm having depressive thoughts. If I tell you all these things, I wouldn't necessarily say it with a lot of theater. Uh-huh. Um, I wouldn't, I probably wouldn't feel comfortable enough to, to cry. I don't yeah. like to cry in front of people. Mm-hmm. Um, but then people might not believe me. <laughs> I get that. But I will be, I've always been honest. I've yeah. always said, like when I was about to have the baby, I was explaining to people as well, like I'm now touching on postpartum depression is what's gonna come next. Just like, I'm preparing you for this. Like, I had depression mm-hmm. in my first trimester. Yeah. I'm pretty sure I'm going to get postpartum depression. Certain things like, I think I've told you this before, but when I went, was going to the hospital, there was so much hope in this child that I was about to have. I didn't know I was having a boy or girl. You didn't know? We didn't know. Okay. Um, but it's Shyam's child. There's so much hope, so much love for this child already. Yeah. But I was very aware that some mothers go to the hospital to have a baby and they come home without one. Mm-hmm. And I was very aware of that. Like I didn't want that to be another surprise. So I sat everyone down and I was like, there is a chance that I may come home without a baby. We. Prepare yourself for all of the outcomes because I didn't want to find myself in a situation where suddenly everything's doubled and everything's happened again and history's repeated itself and everyone's fallen in their grief again. Whereas I'm the type of person that likes to prepare. 
and foresee things like this could happen, this could happen, this could happen. Like, okay, I'm prepared for everything. I don't know if I should ask you this, but when that happened, do you think that you've prepared yourself for the worst in every situation? Like going forward? Mm -hmm. um, I feel more prepared. Mm -hmm. I do feel more prepared. I don't feel like I would find myself in a situation where I'm like, right, that's it, I can't do it, give up. I can't see myself being that person now. I could have seen it before, before any of this happened, I could see, oh, if something really bad happened in my life, how would I carry on? But, well, it did happen and I'm carrying on. And it's taken me a very, very, very long time to get mm. this smile back and mm. it's here to stay. Come hell or high water, it's here to stay. Ram was born, your son, and um, tell me about that, what happened? So, Shyam and I hadn't set the um, birthing plan, but okay. we were planning to go for a water birth. Okay. Um, but since Shyam had passed away, I wasn't grieving properly because I didn't want to put any strain on the baby. The day he passed away, the paramedics were adamant that I be taken to the hospital because my blood pressure was raised. And from that very moment, mm -hmm. I decided that my blood pressure will not be raised. I will eat and drink everything that I need to eat and drink. Okay. I'm responsible for this child. Right. This child comes first. So you were able to block your emotions as such? Yeah, I mean, I would feel things, mm -hmm. but it's I would manage it. Got it. And I was very aware that it's not extremely healthy for my mental health. So in the throes of labor, if I go into labor, there's a chance that I might not be able to control all of this at once mm -hmm. and I might break down in my grief, mm -hmm. which is why I thought it might be better to opt for a planned cesarean section so I can prepare myself. Okay. I know the day and the time that my child is coming mm -hmm. and I can walk into that hospital ready. Mm -hmm. um, and in hindsight, it was a good decision. I'm glad I made that decision. Mm -hmm. um, but it was still a really, really hard day for me. <laughs> I can imagine. It was, um, it was the most exciting time in my life mm -hmm. and also the most heartbreaking moment all, all together. Mm -hmm. It was, I don't want to cry. I'm not going to cry. It was, it was hard. On that day, it must have been such a mix of emotions, like you said, like you're so happy you're having your baby, but obviously it's the most heartbreaking time. I was resenting how sad I felt as well. Mm -hmm. I felt a bit guilty actually, yeah. as a mother, mm -hmm. that, I, or that I didn't have only, only joy, but I was I was sad that, that Xiang was missing out, mm -hmm. especially when I saw his Gorgeous little face. He is so beautiful. And he looked exactly like Shyam from the second I saw him. It's just like, it looks like Shyam. Mm -hmm. And I was like, Shyam would be bursting with pride mm -hmm. to say, that is my son, my mini me. Like I can just, I, they would, I can see it. They would be wearing yeah. matching clothes all the time, <laughs> shoes, hat, everything. Mm -hmm. He would be so, so, so excited. And after that, after you brought your son home and you told me at that point you weren't grieving because you wanted to make sure you looked after Ram. Did it hit you at any point or was it almost like 
it was <laughs> it's gonna sound really weird i planned it <laughs> <laughs> i was like it, it's overdue okay you need to you need to cry and you need to let go mm -hmm. of all of this emotion you're holding so tightly mm -hmm. but i came home on the day of the chatti which is the sixth day when we name the baby okay um so the day I came home from the hospital, we also did the chetty with my family and Sham's family. So you were in hospital for six days? Well, that was by choice. Okay. I was discharged within 24 hours, which is what they do okay. now. Um, I discharged myself to a midwifery. So you can go to a midwifery, they can help you with like breastfeeding Got and it. things like that. So I stayed there. The reason why I did that and stayed there for a little while is because I wasn't ready to come home to yeah the excitement yeah i just and i was i was scared I, I don't know how to look after a baby i'm a new mother i don't mm. know i don't know what to do and i've had a cesarean section i can barely hold him my mum was with me the entire time so i didn't have to worry but i was worried about when i come home and then other people are gonna see like i don't mind if my mom sees that she's doing all the work and i'm laying in bed yeah. but what about what other people are gonna see like oh look she's not even holding her baby she's not changing her baby i was worried what people would think i get that because because i have this tough exterior this tough personality people think oh delari does everything delari can do everything and so when i feel like i'm not doing what people expect of me i'm like i don't want them to see it because they're going to judge me i feel like people are waiting to point a finger be like oh you messed up <laughs> why do you feel that way do you feel like when you were younger you were always judged by other people's expectations no i think that changed when i was older i feel like without being like too specific i like later on in my adult life, I do feel like a lot of the time I've been misunderstood okay. and judged for being quite open and loud, honest. You like people like the typical little shy Indian girl that says yes to everything. And I know how you feel. I've never really been that girl and I've always been judged for it. So but when it doesn't stop you, does it? It doesn't stop me, but same. I do, I, it doesn't stop me. But it but makes I me do feel guilty. Get, I get nervous sometimes. Yeah. If I know I'm not really, really good at something and people are expecting me to be good at something, right. I'm like, oh my God, like, don't, don't fuck it up. <laughs> don't mess it up. Mm -hmm. <laughs> like, people are watching, people think you're gonna like, for, I'll give you a really good example. Cooking. Yeah. I hate cooking same I hate it I used to be really good at it because Shyam loves food he's a foodie okay. and I used to love making things for him mm -hmm. like for me I'm like I'll have a pot noodle man I'm yeah. fine <laughs> yeah yeah same but yeah so since he's passed away that is something I've still really struggled with I've not overcome it I can't cook and I've I, last Christmas I decided to make like a, a dish mm -hmm. in the mix like yeah and I made a cottage pie and it was fine, it turned out really nice, mm -hmm. but I felt really sad afterwards. I was really, really, really sad after cooking. And I'm trying to figure out a way around this right now. Like, I feel like every time someone encourages me to cook, it makes me more like, why do you want me to cook? And I, I don't do it. But yeah. when I try and do it on my own accord and I decide myself like, Delari, why don't you make something today while nobody's in the kitchen and no one's witnessing it? And then you can say, look what I made. Is that because of the pressure or because like it's put on females that they should know how to cook? I think at home, it's just because 
I don't like being told what to do. That's weird. <laughs> yeah. But in general, I think it's not the female pressure. Or maybe it is a bit of like female pressure. But yeah, I'm this, I think people have this preconception of Delari because I am quite a traditional person in Got in it. terms of like, I sing pajans. Same, I, same person. Yeah, <laughs> I speak Gujarati. I read yeah. and write Gujarati. I can speak Hindi. Mm-hmm. So like, I'm comfortable at mandirs. I know what to do. Yeah. Like, Same. So I'm like, oh, that Dai Chokri, the good girl. Got it. But I'm also this, I'm Delari that grew up in Essex that give me a few glasses of wine and my Essex accent comes out. Yeah. <laughs> and I like to have a good time. Mm-hmm. And yeah, maybe I don't like cooking and I don't, I can't, I don't like sewing and I don't like, <laughs> I'm not a fashionista. I'm not yeah. very good at makeup. I'm, I'm more of a, conversationalist yeah yeah <laughs> i like to sit down and socialize mm-hmm. rather than scurry off to the kitchen <laughs> and i guess that's why it was so difficult for you in that period where you felt like you weren't kind of part of your identity right yeah and i felt misunderstood and i felt judged and whenever i was doing something i would focus so that i'd do it to my best ability and normally it would turn out okay mm-hmm. so then people had this like opinion that oh delari is good at this and good at that and then i i used to feel sometimes that Maybe people were waiting for me to mess up. Why? I don't know. I think, you, you know when you can just get an energy? Oh my God, energy doesn't lie. I say it, I'm a broken record on this podcast of me saying that. Yeah, I just, you get energy from certain people and then it used to make me feel really insecure and Shyam was the only person that really knew just how insecure I am as a person. We all are. Yeah. I think that's the thing with insecurity. People will look at me and think, it was such a confident speaker. You came today and you said, you seem so calm. Yeah. Then you're like, in person, you're a bloody lunatic. <laughs> right? You those, didn't say that. You those are your that. words. <laughs> <laughs> but you said, you, you know, when I when I look at you online, I think you're so calm. And I'm yeah. like, I'm the polar opposite of a calm person. As you could see when I walked in, I'm yeah. like under running in, yeah. like sprinting, like, oh my God, you're here. Early. It, was, like, it was a breath of fresh air, I can't yeah. lie. <laughs> but this is the thing is that like, I think people who know me will say I'm not calm and I, and I, and I am not a calm person yeah. at all. But people have a perception of you, right? And I guess in that moment, you feel like all eyes are on you. Yeah. I've got that. I've had that a lot throughout my life because I've been that girl that sings the budget and does. Goes so by people, the book. So people are watching you. Got it. Like, oh, look. And you know, like, she's grown up here. Yeah. She's doing this giddly day chair. She's such yeah. a good girl. And it's like, people watch you in a nice way, but then yes. some people watch you in not a very nice way as well. And they don't like it. Yeah. And I think this is the thing I was, I don't know if you've read the Insecure Girls Handbook. No, I've not. Best book ever, because it basically. It's amazing when you feel, and this is the point of this podcast, right? The point of this podcast is to bring people on, to share their journey, to make someone feel less alone when they're going through something. Yeah. And that book did exactly that for me because the Insecure Girls Handbook is essentially talking around a handbook to insecure girls mm. because we all are insecure yeah. in our own ways. Every single person you meet will be insecure. Like you'll look at me on this podcast and think I'm a good speaker. You have no idea how many times when I do a solo episode, I'm like, oh my God, what am I saying? My words aren't coming out. Or sometimes yeah. in an interview, I just can't get anything out. And yeah. I'm just like, wait, 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 let's start that again. Or sorry, well, let, let me look at my notes or whatever it is. Mm you never know what someone's going through. Mm-hmm. And whether you think someone's so beautiful, they could be hating themselves on the inside being like, I'm not this. Yeah. Whether you think someone's body's great, they could be like killing themselves of like, this isn't good enough. Mm. And unfortunately we all have our own insecurities, but we all have to remember that we're, we're together. Yeah. And everyone may not have the same insecurity, but we all have a way that we can fight it. Yeah, and we all deserve love and encouragement. Always. And support. Yeah. So you talked about postpartum depression. Did you go through that? 
Yeah. Yeah, because I had it all together. I was grieving. I had postpartum depression. I was recovering from like major abdominal surgery. <laughs> like People don't talk about that enough, yeah. right? It's crazy. Um, my parents, they told me that they, they found me a couple of times crying in my sleep. And they wake me up. Oh. That because I wasn't crying in the day, mm-hmm. and I was, I was asleep, like, and I was just yeah. crying. I remember waking up. I yeah. think I remember one time my brother was there because his he had set up his desk in my room as he's working from home, mm-hmm. and my dad was there, and I think they woke me up. And I yeah I I was just crying while I was asleep, and that and it upsets me as well because I'm just like I. I don't want them to see that. That's not nice for them as well. Everything you're saying is like, I don't want other people to see me sad. I don't want to put grief on other people. You seem like quite a selfless person in terms of always thinking about other people's feelings. But in that moment, sometimes, isn't it really hard when you're not processing your own? Um, I never feel like I'm not processing. I'm this person that thinks about everything. I'm an overthinker. So you might think I'm not processing, but I've thought about it and I've decided yeah. that, that this isn't a good time. We'll do this later. Wow. Like that happened when I, when I had, when I had Ram, I started crying when I saw him. But when you cry, your stomach shakes, your stomach moves and they're sewing me up. They've just cut me open and taken a child out of me and they're sewing me up and I could feel my stomach moving. And I was like, oh, those like, not yet not now stop crying they're trying to sew you up quite literally just stop it <laughs> so Your i mind stopped is so powerful though i just have you always had that control over your emotions i've i i guess so i think more so in adulthood mm-hmm. but i've i think i've been really lucky to have grown up with parents that have really encouraged me and my brothers to be in control of your mind and really, really think about yourself, your emotions, what you're thinking about. Are these things you should be thinking about? Are you are you using your time effectively? Are you using your thoughts effectively? Like these are conversations we used to have as wow. a family. And are there any things that you can tell like the listeners listening today in terms of how you can control that? Um, I think people underestimate how much you really need time to yourself in your in your day okay so i think it's important to like my dad used to say this i think he used to say take 10 minutes in your day okay 10 minutes in your day by yourself with nobody around no phone no technology no nothing reflect on your day reflect on if it's the morning reflect on what you want to achieve it's the evening reflect on what you did or didn't achieve Mm -hmm. things you did well things you shouldn't have done and only you know. You're not going to tell everyone things you didn't do. But you yeah. know what you shouldn't have done. Mm-hmm. And think about it. Do you stand by it? And be like, I know I shouldn't have done it, but I, I, sh- I stand by it. Or do you think, I'm not going to do that again? Mm-hmm. And he used to say that. Like, take time out. And he said that if you're ever lost and you, you don't know the answer to something, you need to ask yourself first before you ask anybody else. Okay. And you will find the answer. And if you can't find the answer, go. we have a mandir in our house. So go and sit by the mandir and close your eyes and, uh, and just sit there. Mm-hmm. And just stay calm. 
And you might not find the answer that, that second, that day, but believe me, it will come to you. Spending time in solitude is so important. And I, I truly agree with that. I think that we all have the answers within us. Because if you need to ask someone else the answer to your question, all you're getting is a different opinion. Yeah. And sometimes that opinion won't align to yours, but because you're not sure of something within yourself, you'll just take on someone else's opinion about it. Yeah. And I always believe that if you spend time in solitude, the answers will come to you. Yeah. Because if you if you came to me and asked me for a solution, I'd yeah. always give you a solution. I'd never be like, look, I can't, I can't think of it right now. It's just I need to process it from a different perspective. Yeah. And, and I do that all the time. I just ask myself as if my friend was asking me, mm. what would you do? Yeah, I mean, I'll be, I'll be completely honest. Like, these are things I do with big decisions. I like to make the big decisions alone or mm -hmm. I might have discussions with family. Mm -hmm. But small decisions, I used to let Xiaomi make them all for me. Which trousers should I wear with this top? Yeah. Things like that. Yeah. So I, I still do that with my sister-in-law. Of course. And she, I, I literally come at her and she knows me so well and I'll ask her a question, be like this one or this one. And she'll literally just give me the answer and she knows I don't want a reason. I don't yeah. want to, I just want, want an the answer. answer. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And I'm still that person with the little things, but with the big things, I'm like, right, sit down mm -hmm. and figure it out. You, you're clever, you're intelligent, you've, you, you're able to think. So think it through and, mm -hmm. and figure it out. With grief, I feel that people will always, and I'm sure you've got this question, when does everything get better? People wanna know a timeline, right? Like, when will I start to feel okay? When will everything be okay? And like you said, people will, you've shared your journey very publicly on Instagram. People may look at you sometimes smiling and think, oh, you're fine now, everything's okay. But grief comes in waves. I don't, I don't see it ever getting better. I have no expectations. I think I'm growing around my grief. And sometimes I think my grief is growing too. But I think I'm growing more. And I plan on continuing to grow. And I'm pretty sure that there will be times and it will come out of nowhere where I will struggle again. Mm -hmm. um, but I don't wanna see them as setbacks. I wanna see them as periods of growth. Okay. And growth can be painful, right? So yeah, it does hurt. I've had it the last couple of days and it hasn't felt like setbacks the last couple of days. It's felt mm -hmm. like me growing in a painful way. Mm -hmm. um, and I just want to embrace it. Mm -hmm. I, I, this grief is going nowhere, but my life doesn't stop. The world doesn't stop. Just got to figure out a way of, of living with it. Mm -hmm but not letting it control you. And you, you talk to me separately around like self-loathing and not letting these emotions control you. What would you say to anyone who's just kind of gone through this and, and, and they don't perhaps at the moment see, see any light? You can look at someone like me and see a finished product, what you think might be a finished product, but there isn't really one. But when I was there, five days in, six days in, two weeks in, three weeks in, I felt the same. I felt like it's impossible. I felt like, how am I gonna get through another day? And what you're feeling is normal. It's awful and it sucks and it hurts, but I felt it too. And a year and a half later, I feel things differently. Mm -hmm. So what I used to tell myself then was just take it one day at a time. Mm -hmm. And that's what I used to do. I did literally, quite literally take it one day at a time. And I was lucky that I had 
my family, my parents and my brothers to help me make the big decisions mm-hmm. like childcare and things like that. These these are the decisions were were made almost for me because they had their kids that are the same age and they were doing the research that needs to be done for things that I would need to do. I was lucky in that respect that I could just focus on one day at a time. Mm-hmm. And I think that has helped me a lot. And you still think about things like that sometimes? No, this is why I feel like I'm struggling more with my grief. Now I am starting to plan. I want to go back to work. Mm-hmm. I'm doing things like this, which are mm-hmm. scary to me. Um, and I've been struggling more with my grief. I call it um, I call it widow rash. I get rashes from stress. And I've gone through these bouts where I've been grieving really badly and I've broken out. It's happened now. I've got it like under my eyes has gone bad. My arms, I've got new rash here. And it's my grief. It's I'm growing as a person and I'm getting back to the old Dolari. But my, whenever I take big steps, my grief grows. That's what mm-hmm. it feels like to me. But I'm beginning to understand that now that mm-hmm. it's like... This is a process, it's a chain, it's happened a few times. So now that I understand it, I'm like, okay, cool. I I know what this is and the rashes will go, carry on. Mm -hmm. It's okay, I know what this is. Like I'm I'm understanding it more. Mm -hmm. I feel like everyone needs to, when you're going through something like this, you need to really focus on yourself. Mm -hmm. Like how am I responding to these things? Because if you Mm -hmm. try and understand yourself a bit more, you can learn how to help yourself cope. I feel like you're incredibly self-aware. And very strong in the sense that woe is me is definitely not a phrase that I would ever hear you saying. You know, like you're never like, I can't get out of it. I'm I, there's nothing I can do. Everything from from my perspective in this podcast has been that you're in control and you choose your emotions and you choose your response to things. And that level of personal responsibility is so admirable and so inspirational because I think so many of us don't hold responsibility for things that happen to us. It's not my fault. This happened to me. How can I change that? How can you expect me to be okay? How can you expect me to change? And I'm not talking about this. I'm talking about on every single front. And often it's easier to let things seem like they're out of your control so you don't have Mm. to address them. But because you've had this kind of self-awareness from such a young age from what your dad has taught you, I feel like it's been able to help you tackle things headstrong. And I think that's why you're able to sit here and open up with me and talk to me about this because I know that this was hard and I know you were really nervous and I'm I'm, I'm so grateful you came on because it's not easy. Yeah. But the purpose of the show is really to help people who have gone through anything in life for me to bring on a guest that can share their insight and experience to help them feel less alone. Because I know that when anyone is going through something, the number one feeling you feel is like, but no one understands it like I do. No one understands me. No one is getting me. I'm alone and you don't get it. And it's normal to feel like that because the people around you don't get it. Yeah. Because they're not in your situation. Exactly. But often listening to something or watching something can just help you that little bit. And I think you've probably done that for a lot of people today. So thank you. I really you. hope so. I hope I have. Yeah, you really probably have. So <laughs> thank, thank you, you for you. inviting me here. I was really honoured to be a part of your podcast, genuinely, from the bottom of my heart, but equally nervous. <laughs> well, I think you've, you've probably inspired a lot of people today. So thank you. Hey everyone, and thank you so much for listening to this podcast. Wherever you're listening or watching, if you could press the like, follow and subscribe button, it would mean the world to me.